Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And we are so grateful to have with us today on the podcast, Monica Bishop. Monica is an Enneagram 8, and she's also a certified yoga teacher. Additionally, she owns her own business. That's not a surprise. Just a reminder, she's an Enneagram 8, and it's really common for them to either own their own business or to run a company. So that's what Monica is doing. The name of her company is Monican Marketing. And if you're looking for somebody to help you with your marketing, she'd be your person and she would help you to do that in a way that would allow you to be authentically who you are. You'll see that and understand that when you listen to everything she says in this interview. But today's interview is about emotional regulation for the Enneagram types three, four, and five. So let's jump right in. One of the reasons, and maybe it just happened organically, I'm covering the odds, you cover the evens, Christy. I love the odds because I really do relate to eight, uh, to nines and to threes. Yeah. A lot of times, to th- I relate to eights a lot too. Um, so threes are, I think, when they're de- emotionally dysregulated, we become more image would lose themselves more mm-hmm. for the sake of the image, you yeah. know, and I know that's a struggle to start with for a three. So, um, that I think would, would tend to happen and then probably get overly, um, extended and overly competitive. So like, again, like a one would turn the dial up on, you know, everything being just so and perfect and done and efficient that the three would turn up the dial to just in yeah. a little bit of a different flavor, different radio frequency. So, you know, the, the, the thing that comes to mind for me, for three specifically, and I'm going to do yoga thing. I love one of the yoga practices where it is um, you uh, go through your body internally and it can be guided or not guided and you relax your body um, part by part, body skin part by part, uh, but you become aware of it first. Mm -hmm. So you either can, you know, tighten your, you know, if you've worked in bottom up, you can tighten your feet, you can scrunch your toes or you can wiggle them and then you relax them completely. And then you kind of move up your body and do the same with, you know, up the legs, up the torso, chest, all the way to front of the head. I think for for three would be very, it would be very effective practice just to get back to themselves, you know, because it's the road back to you. Like, I think the road back to you is a three title. Yeah. Don't yeah, you think? Yeah, the road back to you. Yeah. To knowing yourself. Shout out to Ian Cron, yeah. too, in the book, A Road Back to You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that being more authentic, being you, you know, not being that chameleon mm-hmm. who's deceiving others, yeah. but always becoming who they want to be. I, I love that. Um, and I think that anytime a three moves from being a human doing to a human yeah. being, which a body scan would be yeah. perfect for that, it's going to help to regulate their nervous system. And being yeah. married to a three, yeah. um, the threes, the sevens, and the eights are the assertive types on the Enneagram. So they are more likely 
um, to kind of do the moving against technique mm -hmm. or the fight technique if we're talking about like you know fight flight fawn freeze mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. when they're in a place of stress and they feel dysregulated, they're more likely to move against and mm -hmm. be reactive. Mm -hmm. And so the more practices that they have that are restful, that are slow, that are checking in you know, with the body, because even though they're in the heart triad, they're actually more of a thinking type. Mm -hmm. So they've got to get into their body yeah. and their heart space. Mm -hmm. and, and a body scan, that's a really yeah. ideal practice. Yeah. I love that yeah. for three. That's so um, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, well, I mean, one of the practices that I do is, and I do it at least daily, but often it's very frequent, is I measure my energy level on a scale of one to ten. I love that. And so I, and then I say, how does this energy level serve me? Mm -hmm. How does this energy level limit me? And what's the most aligned task I can take in that energy? Because us as business owners, we can do things in whatever order we want to. And where that rang true for me with you talking about the three is they need to that self-awareness. And so mm -hmm. if I can say that my energy is at a six and that that serves me because I feel this way or I don't feel that way and this is the best way for me to do it. It's a really quick practice that you could use to create that self-awareness to say, okay, what's the most the best way for me to move forward? That's Ooh, brilliant. That. That's brilliant. Exactly. So if you were at a three you, you you can be assured that you would feel eventually at a nine, but you don't have to conquer the mountains while you're at a three. Exactly. Do something that matches the three, and that'll be gentler to you, and you can do better when you're at a nine. Yes. That is, that's, I love that. I'll pat myself on the back. I was going to say, I'm stealing that. <laughs> I didn't come up with it, but um, it is it. something that's really powerful yes. in my day. Because if I'm at an eight and I'm frenetic and yeah. I'm full of energy doing research, yeah, mm -hmm. I, that's just not going to work. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And Brene Brown talks about kind of looking at that with your partner. Yes. So how are you feeling or what is your energy? And you can kind of say, this is where I'm at from 1 to 10 or 1 to 100, whatever scale you want to use so that you can negotiate with one another. Like mm -hmm. if, you know, we're using a scale of 1 to 10 and 1 is I'm zapped and 10 is I'm feeling great if if I'm at a eight and my husband's at a three well then maybe I need to be the one to put my daughter to bed right like yeah. that you can kind of negotiate and say but then the hard thing is is if you're both at a three yeah. <laughs> and then you have to really <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I think that that's really good when you're talking about yourself or you know working with couples yeah um, yeah all right so our four so our four is our individualist or our romantic and this is uh we always call it our moody and broody pot uh, type <laughs> on the podcast they can be a little self-absorbed a little bit melancholy mm -hmm. um and and i love like that defi definition for the four that there's a happiness and sadness mm -hmm. that that's what melancholy melancholy mm -hmm. is for the four that like they actually enjoy that feeling of sadness and they can be sensitive they can focus on the negative and others um, be a little bit critical and uh, so as I think about the force that word sensitive also feels really important with emotional dysregulation but mm -hmm. because they're so sensitive that they tend to do the moving away technique again it's the flight technique with other people and so 
they um, and they end up being critical too because they've gotten hurt. They don't feel like they fit in because mm-hmm. fitting in is really important to the four, feeling like they can be a part of something that they never feel like they do. They feel like they're a misfit, and so they can be really sensitive, and then they end up withdrawing, mm-hmm. and um, that's part of their dysregulation is just kind of sometimes they need to try to not be so sensitive to not have such strong reactions again those kind of moody sort of reactions um they compare themselves a lot i think that that is a really big part of also their dysregulation is the envy and the comparison it just takes them to a really um, moody broody place pretty quickly so they have to watch the comparison They have to watch the sensitivity, maybe just asking themselves questions like, you know, how is this comparison getting in my way? Um, Am I being too sensitive right now? I think they've got to be really aware of that part of themselves that tends to compare and maybe even noticing like when they're comparing themselves to others negatively, is that because they want to do something that the other person is doing and if so could that take them to the one of actually doing it like force Mm -hmm. sometimes like need to look towards the one right Mm -hmm. that that's their era of strength and if they can actually like we can do hard things like the Mm -hmm. glennon dole podcast if they can be more like that one and be more structured and do the things Mm -hmm. could their envy their deadly sin is envy, could that actually point them in the direction of their longing instead of them just staying stuck in the comparison? For example, if they're feeling like, man, that's so cool that Monica has this business, Monica can, and she's helping all these people, um, except that they may not say how cool, they may be like, ah, that's, <laughs> that sucks. Like, why can't I do that? Well, you can. Like, you can do what Monica's doing. Or if you love the Enneagram, you can have a podcast like Kat and I have. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing stopping you for us, right? Like, I think that sometimes our envy can point us to our longing, right? Mm -hmm. It can point us to what we really, really want. And so I think the fours, instead of the envy shutting them down, Mm because, again, they can shut down easily, Mm -hmm. can the envy inspire them? Or instead of the sensitivity just causing them to withdraw and pull away from others can they say oh I'm being sensitive and just have that moment of self-awareness and I need to hang in with that person what are y'all's thoughts how does safety come into play with that you know we've been talking a lot about um, creating safety within yourself and feeling safe in your environments to allow other things to to heal and even from a chakra standpoint right how does safety play into that with the four because it feels like if I were envious and looking forward and all those things, if I could come up with a self-awareness practice that made me feel more safe in my own skin, mm-hmm. could that help me um, regulate those emotions when they pop up? Yeah, I think that's right. You want to speak to that, Kat? I mean, I think essentially all the types, we do what we do to make ourselves feel safe. Sure. That's what makes us feel safe, you know. You know, ones getting more perfect make make us feel more safe, and twos caring more make them feel more safe, etc. So I think that applies for all the numbers. For four specifically, I think what would be helpful for them to regulate is finding people to have in their life who are actually sensitive to their sensitivity. And I keep, you know, it 
thinking about, I know you have one of your best friends is a four. Yeah, Right, and you say that you have, you know, the, the best conversations with them and heartfelt conversations, et cetera. And there's a reason you're their best friend too. Yeah. So finding a person that they can actually talk through whatever it is that is burning in them and having a sensitive ear to hear it yeah. instead of pushing them down to, you know, you're a misfit, this is weird, you're whatever it is. So I think that would be helpful for four to self-regulate. And also I think fours, you know, when they do fall into that melancholy um, environment, uh, boredom can take over them. Mm-hmm. So for them to, you know, like you said, the longing to propel you to what you want to achieve, I think the boredom can propel them to create because they're the most creative people. Yeah. So to do to what, what, what feeds their soul, yeah. you know, whether it is a book club, whether it's creating art, whether it's sewing, whether it's finding beautiful outfits or doing something eclectic, whatever it is, I think that'll help them yeah. emotionally regulate as well. Yeah, and I, I also would say be careful of the moving away right. as the tactic mm-hmm. for the four because, um, I, you know, yeah, I do have several friends who yeah. are fours and I and they know that they have that tendency to pull away. Yeah. Um, and that's something they have to be careful of because, again, like we're talking about fight, freeze, mm-hmm. you know, fawn, yeah. and I'm leaving one out, but... Anyways, they tend to be the type that flees. Right. And and so they have to be really careful of that. That's how they're managing their dysregulation yeah. is by pulling away. And that's a safety piece. That I is think. a safety piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how it's how they feel safe. But mm-hmm. I think that you can pull away and keep yourself safe for, you know, a day or a couple of days yeah. or even ten minutes. It just depends yeah. on the situation. Um, but like to have that intention, like I can go have that hard conversation instead of just staying away, um, I think is really important. And I'm going to use Ian's cron suggestion, but you know, he is a Enneagram four and from, um, what I have read, you know, he talks a lot about fours, um, gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude, 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 gratitude. That's the medicine for 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 all of us, yeah. frankly. But gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I yeah. think that helps, you know, whether it's a journal, whether it's a thought, whether it's, you know, like Monica mentioned, what is my energy? What am I grateful for right now? What am I grateful for today? What am I grateful for this week? Whatever it is. But that I think is that breath for like an eight before they snap for four it's a breath to pull them out of well look at them look at them and me oh me and nothing is going well and everybody has it better to take them out of that that's that moment mm-hmm. I in almost, between i almost mm-hmm. think that's the needed virtue for the four i mean we say equanimity and needing that sense of calm mm-hmm. and i think that's right too mm-hmm. but i think that gratitude actually mm-hmm. can help help a four find the equanimity Mm -hmm. so it's like you have to have Mm -hmm. gratitude that's step that's Mm -hmm. the step Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. equanimity Mm -hmm. and towards that sense of Mm -hmm. calm so yeah i think that's good kat 
All right, so you take it away with five. All right, so a five again, um, near and dear to my heart because I have a lot of five in me, but um, when they're emotionally dysregulated, I think they would become scattered, which is not a, 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 a organic thing for them. They might be more stubborn, become more private, critical of others, and maybe even hyper hyperactive. So to me, you know, if we're talking about that step, that 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 pause, that something in between, for a five, it is to come back to the land of living, mm-hmm. to come back to the life as it is. You know, loud, in your face, messy. You know, full of emotions, full of whatever it is that they're not very comfortable with, but to get back to it. And I think that'll help them dig out of that emotional dysregulation. I don't know, what do y'all think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's tough for a five. It is tough for a five. I think just the the five, you know, have to get themselves into community and into the world. And so I think something as simple as being intentional to go have your lunch outside or going for a short walk with your dog every day or something where you get outside into nature because you're connecting to the world instead of just being inside your house and withdrawing like fives tend to do. I think that that'll help them to be more dysregulated more regulated if they show up in the world so I think they're going to have like better responses to their partners and their friends and their colleagues if they're making an intention you used that word earlier intention and I think that one of the five's intentions every day has to be how can I connect connecting with people connecting with nature whatever it is how how can I connect and not just be in my little bubble of thinking and be in my head or on the computer or in a book like you know five you know what else for a five i think finding more generosity Mm -hmm. and starting with themselves because a lot of times you know the atheist that the the withholding the with withdrawing whatever it is um, you know, they, they project it to others, but a lot of times they, they, they are just as hard on themselves, just like a one mm-hmm. being so critical to others, but they're just as much critical to themselves. So to be more generous to themselves for a five, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, if you've been wanting this, you know, super antique first edition book, get it for yourself. Yeah. If you have been wanting this super duper software for your computer get it for yourself if you have been thinking oh i'd love to take this course but you know it's just so much better get it for yourself and i think that will translate to more generosity with others and that'll emotionally regulate them as well yeah i can see that a lot and i've got a lot of five in me too Mm -hmm. and i never really thought about it from the generosity standpoint i was thinking about you know naming emotions and becoming more able to name the emotions but when you think about generosity I think a lot about energy exchange again. So yeah. me paying for something and someone paying me, that energy exchange can create some connection. So mm-hmm. as a as a five, and a lot of us love to give and we want to help everybody and we want to do all these things. And I have a client who's like, I don't believe in charging for this. I think this should be something that is given away. 
And I said, but if you charge, they can get more out of it because they're giving you the reciprocity of the money mm -hmm. exchange, yeah. and you're able to connect with a different kind of energy. Yeah. And it feels like that would pull a five kind of away from mm -hmm. from that point, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that combination of generosity and just paying for something, whether it's financial paying yeah. or whatever it is, but creating yeah. that mm -hmm. reciprocal yeah. energy with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think fives need to particularly hear that that the need that you, that your body and heart matters that 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 you need to pay attention to your body and your heart they're very good at paying attention to their head yeah. right to their mind yeah. to their thinking rational space but to take care of themselves i think we often talk about the twos and the twos are the ones that need to pay attention to their own needs the fives also need to do that. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It's that they're needing to pay attention to their body and their heart space. So mm -hmm. you were mentioning floating mm -hmm. earlier. Floating's a great practice for a five. Like it's really gonna take them into their body. And so it could be whatever you want it to be, but for a five, particularly something that's gonna take them to their heart space or their body. Yoga's great, because mm -hmm. that'll do both. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's time for our meditative moment. Sometimes there's a meditation. Sometimes I share a poem. But today I just want to offer some information about emotional dysregulation for each of the nine types. Of course, that's what we've been talking about on the podcast today. But I just want to run through each of the nine types and how they show up when they're stressed out, when they're emotionally dysregulated, just so you can learn this information. I don't want to do this in a way that feels shaming, um, but just to normalize that we all have stress and we all do show up in distinct ways when we're in stress. It looks different for each of the nine types. And the work to get out of dysregulation is different for each of the nine types. So for the type one, they can appear critical or resentful when they are in stress. That's pretty typical for a type one because they have these high expectations of others. They also can move to their four, which is their air of stress, and they be can become very sensitive like a type four, and they are a moving towards type. So sometimes in stress, they can become too responsible for the needs of others. What is the antidote to all of this? For the type one, their antidote is peace. They need that peace like a river. And how do they find that? Through self-compassion, through grace for themselves and grace for others. So it always comes back to that for the type one, but their pathway is just being kinder to themselves and others, and that's going to take them to that peace. The type two, my type, can be histrionic. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we can get really dramatic with our feelings, whether our feeling is sadness or anger or whatever it is. If we're stressed out, it can take us to really big feelings and we can show up with those big feelings and be a little dramatic about it. And yes, I do that. And then there is the type eight. That's where we move in stress. So we might also show up as being a little demanding or controlling in the midst of stress. And then we are a moving towards type. So that also can mean 
that we want to move in and try to fix things when we feel stressed out. We want to help too much. We want to over function. That's um, another downfall of the two. So what does the two need? What is the antidote? The antidote is self-care. That is going to take us to a place um, of just knowing that we can't do it all. Again, pride is that deadly sin of the two and we cannot do it all. We have to go to that place of humility and know we need to take care of ourselves and we need to receive. And so that is how the two often gets out of the stress or the emotional dysregulation. For the type three, the type three can be pretty angry. They are an assertive type on the Enneagram. So when they're stressed out, other people can feel their anger that they're working so hard. The funny thing is, is they can show up almost the opposite of that too in stress. They can numb out and be really slothful because their stress point is the type nine. And so they can just really slow down and kind of get stuck in bed for a little while. So you wouldn't think that that's true of the three because we always talk about them doing, but when they, when they do so much that they get exhausted and burn out, they can become more like a nine in that way. And they are an assertive or a moving against type on the Enneagram. So that's something that they have to watch during times of stress is making sure that they're not moving against others, but also their antidote to this emotional dysregulation is rest um, and is showing up as their authentic self because it can be exhausting to always be who other people need you to be. And then for the type four, when they are in a place of stress, they can be very moody and like a type two, which is their era of stress, they can be very needy. And so they have to watch that when they show up as moody or needy, that's often a sign that they're in a place of dysregulation. Another sign is that they start to withdraw because they're in a moving away type on the Enneagram. So if they find themselves withdrawing for long periods of time, that's another wake up call for them that they need to move back into the world and often they can do that through gratitude which is what Kat talked about on this episode today is that the type four always needs to come back to that gratitude and eventually that will take them to that place of equanimity and calm when they find just what is good in life and as they find that balance between the pain of life and the goodness of life then the four moves out of stress. For the type five, uh, they can be very anxious and like a seven, they can be kind of manic when they are in a place of stress or emotional dysregulation. They are a moving away type as well. And so they have to really watch that. And we talked in today's episode, they need connection. They need to move back to life, to show up in the world, to get more grounded in their body and in their heart space. And that will help them to move out of stress and back to regulation. For the type six, when they are in a place of stress, they can show up as frantic. Um, We might even see them catastrophizing. Um, And they can also be like their stress point of three, very driven. 
and they are a moving towards type so they can start to um, really submit to authority and um, want to do whatever would please their boss because they are loyal and again that could mean that they end up being too industrious and overwork and that's the six going to the three and so uh, the type six needs to find uh, a safety inside of themselves and that takes a lot of courage so they've got to find that courage to know that the world is a safe safe space and they can find that inside of themselves but they can also trust others and trust the world and for the six coming back to that um, safety coming back to that trusting themselves and and experiencing the world is safe and the world is a trustworthy place that will take them out of their stress and and dysregulation for the type seven um this type seven can become a little bit like a one when they are stressed out and they can be uh, critical they can be judgmental like a one um also obviously when they are stressed out uh, they can be scattered uh, because they're just type sevens and they're doing so many things but that leads to a lot of really scattered energy they're also a moving against type on the enneagram and so they have to be really careful with that energy of of moving against and make sure that they're um you know not hurting the people that they they love through moving against them so the type eight the type eight in stress oh and i forgot to say what their pathway to healing is and and we know this but the pathway to healing for the seven or to moving out of that stress is often getting grounded that can really help a type seven but so can sobriety and moderation and pulling away from the constant doing also obviously feeling their feelings becoming more comfortable with what do I feel uh, and knowing those feelings can help the type seven and for the type eight the type eight when they are in a place of stress uh, can isolate themselves and they also can um, go to that five where they're a little bit negligent of themselves and so they're not interested in the needs of the body and so the type eight has to be really careful of that they are moving against type and so in stress they show up as being very intense and moving against others and so their pathway to healing is um, softening finding empathy finding um, just the awareness of what it might be like to be in the other person's shoes and so that that empathy and softening towards other people is their pathway to healing and then our type nine our type nine when they are in a place of stress they can be um passive aggressive as we know because they tend to push down their feelings and anger even though they are in the anger triad and um, they also can become um, quite anxious and worried so they move to their six 
and they, they show up with a lot of worry. So that's something that they have to watch. They also have to watch the moving away because they are a moving away type on the Enneagram. And of course, they actually find a lot of healing uh, and movement away from that dysregulation through uh, showing up for themselves, speaking their voice, and showing up in the world. And so that is a run-through of all of the nine numbers and what dysregulation looks like for them, what stress looks like for them, um, how they show up in the midst of that stress, but then what they need to do to find their way back to healing and wholeness. So thanks for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Hope that this has been helpful to you today. Namaste.